I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we talk about games, the games we've been playing, the news from the industry, a little bit of analysis. Hopefully, we have a good time together. I'm Patrick Beja, and from the literal other side of the planet, Rob May is joining me. Rob, how's it going? Going well. It's a beautiful Hanami season that's relatively warm here in Yamaguchi, Japan, for me. But good to see you again, or rather hear you in this case. <laughs> uh, yes, you are in Japan, as you mentioned. You're also the uh, one of the two hosts of Omnic Lab, uh, which is the best strategic uh, Overwatch podcast in existence. How do you keep it running in those times where uh, new things are relatively sparse in Overwatch? Well, the nice thing about it is that uh, being the number one in a category so specific is that there's not a whole lot of competition. So it's kind of <laughs> nice when <laughs> no one else is trying to vie for that competitive strategic flair that you are also going with. And uh, I will say that it sometimes is a bit sparse um, with the news in particular, but the way that it's structured, we end up touching on a lot of topics multiple times, even though in the backlog you can find relatively similar ideas for example the mental game or kind of um teeing up fights just because of how the meta ends up shaking out and then right. what's been going on this last month is they've been doing this big experimental mode added to the game um it's kind of like a ptr hybrid um that they're allowing the console folks to have advantage of and it's been really fun to go with that as well as the um Season 21 of Overwatch had weekly hero pools that were different than the Overwatch League ones. So um, each week they would ban or essentially um, or remove a hero or a heroes from specific roles to hopefully spice up the meta and change team comps and counter picks so and stuff. And it's, so it's been every, very interesting. Every week on how it affects the gameplay and all of that. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Actually. Yeah. I've, I've it's been a real up, big challenge, but it's been fun. I've been ended up playing mostly random uh, in Overwatch because I don't want to wait when I have 10 minutes. I can sneak a game yeah. in. <laughs> so that's yep. changed my, my life a bit. But um, before we start talking about the games we've been playing, and there's some stuff, Half-Life, uh, mm. you've been playing Animal Crossing, Doom. I've also uh, dipped into Bleeding Edge. Um, you, you, you had a fun time going to work? <laughs> in the past yeah, day or this two. morning was quite the adventure so, so for a little bit of context um doom and animal crossing released last friday for me um or released friday in the context that i could play <laughs> if that makes sense so when that rolled in i spent basically that first weekend essentially playing a lot of doom for the first two three four days and then Rolling around after that, um, I realized that some of my Australian friends that are in my D&D &D group also picked up Animal Crossing. 
And my entire Twitter feed is full of people posting fishing memes and catching crazy things in Animal Crossing. So I was like, okay, well, we'll give this a shot. Maybe because of all the schools canceling here in Japan, that I'll actually get a chance to like, I don't know, enjoy this at work because I can't play Doom from my work PC, but I can take my Switch with me um, if I need to, or if I can, um, when I'm at work for what they call office days where we don't really have anything to do. So long story short, I went and had been losing sleep steadily for about a week and a half now. And it finally caught up to me last night when I just could not handle it and went to bed at like seven, woke up at midnight, <laughs> couldn't sleep until like two or three in the morning, fell back asleep, woke up at my alarm, started the whole process of rolling out of bed, turning the alarm off and kind of like essentially like get it gearing up to actually get out of bed. I realized that I drifted back into sleep, did my whole morning routine in a dream, <laughs> woke up when I was about to tell my wife goodbye in the morning. And I was like, Oh no, what time is it? And it was three minutes before my bus was going to arrive, like just down the street from me. I was like, there is no way I'm going to have time to get to that bus. Even if I'm just changing clothes. So I messaged my friend that is also my um, coworker, essentially when I go to the board of education office, cause I'm a teacher so when they don't have breaks as an assisted language teacher, we have to go there. And to get to there, he's like, oh, you could just take the other bus that you take normally to your other school and just get off early. I was like, oh, that's great. He's like, he's like oh, it's it's in like 17 minutes. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so then I'm like <laughs> rushing to get to my next bus, my only other backup to get to work, uh, besides waiting like two hours for the next bus by my house. And so I like freak out, change clothes. Uh, get all my stuff in my backpack and I have a 15 minute walk to the station and to give me like a two to three minute buffer to get onto the bus. So I'm like briskly walking in the morning and I didn't really realize that it's supposed to be warm today. So I have like two jackets on just melting, <laughs> walking all the way down to my bus, finally get there, walk down the street to a convenience store to get some like relative breakfast of coffee and like, I don't know, some pancakes or something and then walk into work. And I'm just like, ah, Wait, this all is of not this supposed is, to be a stressful job. <laughs> this is all because you were playing too much Animal Crossing? Is that? <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> okay. It just caught up to me. <laughs> well, I am not a big fan of Animal Crossing, but maybe you will convince me. Um, although before that, we will, we're going to be talking a little bit about Half-Life Alex, And I think I'm going to be Ooh. a curmudgeon today because, um, so, okay. First of all, if I can talk you down, let's do it. Let's let's see. Let's see. Um, so first of all, Half-Life Alex, I didn't think I was going to be able to play it because the minimum mm. specs requirements were uh, are like a GTX 1060. And my card is a GTX 970, which is five years old at this point. And uh, it is an awesome card. I really love it. It still plays everything yeah. really well. Um but I figured, you know, maybe it's not going to run. It's not going to launch. I then looked into it about, I don't know, five days after the game launched. And it turns out mm -hmm. it runs it really well. So I bought the game, installed it. Um, I had virtual desktop sideloaded on my Oculus Quest. And for those who don't know, virtual desktop is a um, piece of software that lets you stream your desktop from your desktop to your Oculus Quest, among other things. And right. it does that in Wi-Fi. So you're wireless. But the sideloaded version, uh, on a, like it's an official one, but you can't just download it from the Oculus Store. It's a 
kind of a hassle to get it on the Quest. But once you do, you can also stream VR games via Wi-Fi. And it works super, super well. It's essentially you don't need yeah, the... sounds like it. You don't need the link um, piece of software to connect to your PC with this elusive, um, you know... USB cord that will support power and USB 3 and all of that. You just connect via Wi-Fi. Again, it is a little bit of a hassle nice. to put a virtual desktop on the the uh, Quest because you need to not jailbreak it, but essentially to turn it into a developer account. And that is a little mm. bit of an involved process. But once you do it, you just launch um, virtual desktop on your PC and on your uh, quest and you just have access to all your games wirelessly and it works perfectly so that was the good surprise on the compatibility front of things sounds like a great workaround to be honest it is because even have you tried cord, messing with the streaming restrictions on it patrick like if there's any way that you can still stream it in that setup um i don't stream so i didn't really do it but i don't mm. think there would be any restriction because you still get the um version you know the 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 screen the monitor version of the game on the monitor so you just do a monitor capture then yeah yeah sure exactly so that would work okay um and and so there that was that that was just a really great surprise so i, I started playing half-life alex and i think i've played maybe four hours so far which is a third to half of the game um Mm. And that's where I turn into the, I don't like joy. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> um, right, let's hear it. Come on, lay it down, Patrick. Tell us why you don't like it. Listen, it's not that I don't like it. Um, I've enjoyed. <laughs> that's a great way times. to start an argument. <laughs> it, it, it's, I've enjoyed the time I've, I've spent in it probably about as much to a little bit more than any other game, VR game I've enjoyed so far, save for um uh, uh beat saber which is kind of in its own category um right but the other games i didn't really love them to begin with and half-life alex just to preface this everyone loves it i i don't think i've mm. seen any review of half-life alex with doesn't say this is a masterpiece. Like this is a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. It's fantastic. It's um, finally VR gets what they were, what we were waiting for. It's a great mm -hmm. game, a must buy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think Giant right. Bomb, the Giant Bomb crew was like, this is just another VR game. I don't get it. And this is my experience. Mm. Um, it might be that graphics play so much into it that, you know, I don't get it as much. It might be that later in the game you get into uh, sequences that, that make it shine. Um, but I've been through quite a few things and I've experienced some of the things that people say are incredible about it. And to me, right. it feels like just another VR game. Like it's, it's kind of a best of, a medley of the best things that uh, VR developers have done, but it doesn't transcend them. It doesn't make them... It doesn't, it doesn't do add anything, anything is what you're better. getting at. Yeah, it, it's just what you've known in VR for two, three years now, just yeah. in the Half-Life universe, which is great. But so to give a little bit of, of uh, detail on what I mean, um, there's a sense of... So the sense of presence is great, but the item, for example, the physics in the game, 
um yeah when you first jump in you have things that you can interact with and you can grab them and you can throw mm. them and all of that works as it has in every single vr game uh for the past few years but there are limits to that that become apparent very quickly like um the items obviously don't have weight um so you you well, yeah, when you yeah. grab a big barrel it's just you you just grab it and it's just as it's amnesia physics kind of <laughs> you just yuck, you just chuck it <laughs> and and it's just, i mean i understand why obviously you can't like assign weight to your actual literal arm in the world so you can kind of mm. slow it down or lock it in the world and you can't raise it higher than something but it, it mm -hmm. doesn't have weight so that breaks the immersion feeling a little bit you can't many of the items you can grab them but you can't manipulate them further so a few items you can break but um, a, a book you can't open a suitcase you can't open a box you can't open um, so you can't like grab it on one side grab the other side and open it it's it's just the box is the model that it is um, the the I, I killed a head grab at some point and I grabbed it and I grabbed it by one of the leg brought uh, you know took another leg in the other arm, in the other hand, and pulled. Well, uh, the, the tension in the model gets crazy. It starts shaking, like vibrating, like some kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know, weird thing. It clips into itself, uh, and, and it does like it doesn't, you can't tear it or do anything like that. It's just the standard 3D yeah. model weirdness. Um, and there's a t like this. This is just a, a, a couple of examples, and it's not game breaking. It's just that it doesn't do anything better than what we've seen in VR until now, or quite quite frankly, in regular games. Like the gimmick, uh, the the fact that you have to grab a magazine and reload your weapon, um, it, it physically is fun for a couple of times, but then it's just okay. I just get I old. just do it. Yeah, and yes, you do get into frantic situations where you're like you have a very limited number of bullets and you shoot zombies they they need a lot of bullets to go down and then you're like they're coming close and you have to reload the magazine yeah. and it's just you have to learn physically like the muscle memory of how to reload it right. like and it works but it's just it's that like, it's that little fantasy piece that is like the inconvenience is is to give you the payoff of the survivalistic mentality right Yes, like they're giving absolutely. you this inconvenient factor to help you get the immersion of the immersion of becoming the survivalist. Absolutely. Like when you get yes. out of your last magazine, you just walk into the thing that like the little tongue monsters that are in the dark that like lick you up to the ceiling. You're like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. How do I reload? I'm like going up into the ceiling. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, and yes, it does get your heart rate up and you're like, oh, shit, what, what do I do? But at the same time. And I, I know that some people are going to go, you're crazy. It was great for me. It was. But I'm being pulled up on this by, by the barnacles, I think they're called. Yeah. They're but called I'm not yeah. being like the screen is becoming red, but I'm not physically affected. And people are going to say, of course, you have to like suspend disbelief, but I'm not physically affected. So I'm just looking upstairs, looking up and like grabbing my, if I, if I, manage to not panic and uh, just grab the thing aim oh i missed it okay i'm dead it's like sometimes there's a frantic feeling and sometimes there isn't because you're not affected by it and even when there is it's like 
well, that was annoying more than anything. Like I tried to grab the, um, the, the magazine and I dropped it. And, and that happens often. Not all the time. Yeah. It's like maybe yeah. 10% of the time you there's an item that you don't grab the way you wanted. And it's the game. It's not you. It's like the game, the physics didn't work properly. It's just 10% of mm -hmm. the time. That's not a lot. But 10% of the time is one out of 10. So it will happen when you do it 100 times during a play session. It's it will an, happen enough that it's annoying. 10 hours you play. Yeah. So listen, it's a good VR game. And I think people who love VR are going to love it. And I think some people who discover VR who have never seen any of these things are going to be enthralled by the magic of VR. But there mm. are a, a category of people in between which are like, yeah, VR is cool. But, you know, I've, I've seen things like um, Astrobot Rescue Mission was doing interesting things in VR. This, not so much. You even have the gravity gloves, which mean... Obviously, because you you can't have infinite space in your room, you, you can't walk to places. So the gravity gloves allow you to pull, like force grab things easily from the other side of the room and you grab them in your hand. But that means yeah, that... The physics with those are really incredible, though. You have to give the hand to the team for that one because you could be pulling things through like gaps that you wouldn't normally be able to reach through with your model. You know what I mean? Like that was really cool when I was watching some of the gameplay for this. It is. Especially. I love that you but, do that. But I think the, 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 the other effect is that it means that it removes a little bit of physicality from the world. Because it doesn't matter where the thing is. You don't have to walk to it. You don't have to grab it. And for if the thing is close, then yeah. But you end up just flicking your wrist and grabbing the thing, which is at the other side of the room. So it makes it even more video gamey. You know, it, it, there's this pull and pu push and pull with the physicality and presence of the world which ends up being like i think making the game a just a good vr experience but that's but no more than that which is already great you know but i well, don't I think, think this is a this, this doesn't legitimize this vr though. for me it doesn't legitimize vr for me more than it right. has been before so I could see that point of view for sure about legitimizing VR if that's like your standpoint walking into Half-Life Alex. But if you're looking to like enjoy a Half-Life game, I think it hit it takes all the right boxes. And that's why it's getting such critical acclaim. Because it keeps all yeah. of the boxes of what you're looking for in a Half-Life game. It gives you the gravity gun in a lesser sense right out of the gate with the gloves and the nostalgia for which people have been waiting for over a decade, maybe what is it, two decades since Half-Life 2 release? <laughs> um so the fact that they're giving us this is really great. Um, if you, Are you familiar with a creator by the name of Video Game Donkey on YouTube? I am not. Okay, if you like kind of crude, crass video game humor in a short format, I think that you'll really like his Alex video because basically the whole video is him messing around in the system and doing things that are probably not intended. And then also showcasing all of the most common frustration moments. He's like, if I see one of these circle globe puzzles one more time, I swear <laughs> I'm going to throw my headset out the window. And it's just, it's really great because um, I think that like showcasing some of the common gripes and the things that you really like about the game is really helpful. But I, what you said about your kind of what you were looking for in this game is really important. I think to the creators of the game as well. Because you're not all of the dynamic of the player base looking to pick up Half-Life Alex, but you're definitely a part of them. And so, like, if some of the people are unhappy, I think that's some some major things that they should be paying attention to if they're trying to iterate and improve. Because well, I know I, that there was some initial thing about movement in the game, 
and like interacting with some of the stuff that was like in the alpha or beta that some of the people were playing and then the regular one that's now shipped you can actually like walk and like grab handlebars on ladders and stuff whereas i don't think that was actually initially in the build of the game mm. at first you had to like click and point with your remotes yeah i i, I think you it's possible you can do both i click and point uh for most of what mm -hmm. i do but um I, I completely understand the idea of is this a good uh, a half-life game and i think it's a it's a decent one it's a pretty good one even um, but the question of does that what does that do for VR is also a a one that we've heard and a valid one I think mm. and it's just I guess yeah. I'm not I love Half Life uh, I think most people love Half Life but of course I, I don't think it's uh, so far at least it's not like it's good it's it's a good half-life game it's not like <laughs> mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> but the vr thing is more significant i don't think it on that end on that side it's not to me at least but again i'm in the minority and i'm a little bit of the curmudgeon here so yeah i mean if you're um, looking for half-life alex to be an innovative game then that's probably not the first game that you should be picking up if you want to look at all of the good things that vr does in a general sense then it probably ticks those boxes for you Right. yeah yeah probably yeah that's a that's a good way of, of putting it it's a very competent uh and even good uh Safe. showcase for vr in a package that is an actual full game with uh where all aspects of it are um very well realized so now patrick is is half-life alex a i don't even want to drag the creator's name in it but like who is the creator gaming studio for alex oh it's valve do you have an offhand it's valve okay oh yeah yeah of course yeah it's valve it's because i don't think them. this is valve's first like this is not valve's first rodeo with dipping their toes into vr is it oh not at all they've they've made a few things there's the lab which is a, a kind of series of little fun experiences and they've been full-on into the you know the hardware side of things as well they've uh in partnership with other manufacturers um done mm -hmm. a number of headsets and it's you know it they are full into vr so this is something they're doing very seriously okay but yeah yeah i'm definitely anyway. interested to see what they'll do next yeah we'll see we'll see it's and and i i'm thankful that i'm in the minority and not uh loving alex I, i'm liking it i'm just not loving it i i don't think i don't want people to think that i don't like it that that wouldn't be accurate but uh i'm just mm. not blown away by it and i think down the line i doubt that it will leave a mark as big a mark as the current um uh uh you know rankings and reviews might yeah might yeah lead you to think but um it's other a couple of other games tell. that are that are also getting great reviews are animal crossing and doom which we've talked about uh in the past couple of weeks but you've actually mm. been playing quite a bit i played doom as well um maybe mm. we can start with that one and then you can convince sure. me that animal crossing is something i should get into um <laughs> but uh yeah what's your feelings of on on doom uh, and i mean the game so not the, you know situation where i think i think when you come across looking at doom in the very first thing you're looking for two main things which is right, maybe even three the first one is is this a good enough fps that i can enjoy playing it for a long time the second thing that you're going to be looking at is is this game hard enough for me to play 
right? If, if you're coming to this game from as a, like a, a shooter veteran or a shooter casual, is it hard enough for you to play is a really important question because you don't want it to be too easy, even from a casual standpoint. And you don't want it to be easy at any standpoint if you're playing it as a veteran on like the hardest difficulty you want to challenge. Okay. That's and then the fair. last is, do you put this in the category of, does this give me enough doom nostalgia where I'm playing doom bro and I'm killing, <laughs> I'm killing the demons and they feel relatively similar. And do I have enough nostalgia weapon weaponry that I can have access to with marrying that to new gun concepts, new gun game play new, uh, graphics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, um, one thing that I, I will put in here as kind of just an extra, uh, introductory statement is that one of my friends told me as a really hardcore player in the VR space, space, um, uh, and as a huge FPS player said that the only reason he didn't pick up doom eternal was that he didn't finish the last one because all of the combat was the too samey. Oh. So, um, that was a really interesting thing to me because I had not like full disclosure. I had actually never played another doom game more than five minutes up until this one. What? This is the first game that I actually bought. So I had a really conservative upbringing for, in my defense for a certain uh, realm of time, but okay. doom also okay. just never really appealed to me in the first sense. Um, in that respect, I was always a halo guy. Uh, that's what I, I started with, but I think that Doom is really, really interesting because I put it down for Animal Crossing um, to try Animal Crossing out and ended up just not going back um, yet. But it's still like within a, you know, two week period of the game's launch. So I think that's still fair. I'll probably end up going back and finishing it. Uh, but how much did you play to before you switched to? Um, yeah, to I, I want to say I put more than 10 hours into the game. Okay. I think that sounds right. 10 to 15, maybe, maybe 20. But I was playing it pretty much the entire time I got back home. I streamed my first playthrough for about three hours on the first sitting. Um, I got all the way. I got I just acquired the BFG and went through a couple missions. And I think the storyline is such that, uh, again, spoilers worrying. If if you're curious about that sort of thing, then um, don't listen any further. But the thing that I was about to go acquire was the sword. I okay, don't don't tell me. Don't tell like me. That. I don't want to know. There, I don't know anything about it because I've only seen somebody beat the final boss. So I okay. just know that there's another thing that I have to get. Okay. But um, I got to that point in the game. There's this really difficult area because there's like one of the one of the first few times that you get into the game at the ultra violence setting that I'm on right now, which is like one or two shy of super hardcore mode. And um, I've been, I've been like really, really belligerent about playing in that mode. I do not want to go down. I'm going to beat the game <laughs> and I'm going to do it in this mode and I'm not going to switch. <laughs> I'm going to be annoying about it and stubborn. So I ended up quitting in this mission because I did it about 20 to 30 times. And it has a bunch of field hazards on the, on the, the map that you have to fight on. And a whole swath of the side, you can get knocked off into pits of lava and just take a ton of damage and have to restart. There's a lot, there's two huge demons in it. And then all of the other demons are ranged. And so they're super, super annoying to deal with. And I can't really get any of the glory kills to replenish my health relatively fast. And there's like zero armor on the map. So you that have to get within melee like range of these things inside of hazards. 
yeah the hazards is what makes it really difficult because they they not only damage you and get put a damage over time effect on you but some of them are like lightning stuns so you're like locked in place as these two guys just walk up and wail you for 200 damage and you're dead and you're just like oh well okay <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> so i stand I, here I, and die th so in the end do you do you like the game or not because i'm getting conflicting uh signals i here. like the thing the moments when i have to figure it out it's like okay is this me is this me coming about this from a bad standpoint like as a as a i'm not dexterous enough to do this or is this is this my gun swap decisions is this me managing my health poorly is this a focus fire issue like am i not killing the right demons properly um is it a movement problem i like i like that challenge like i'm coming from overwatch right like i love playing that sort of game where i have to figure things out and even when i'm making mistakes i'm not always in tune to knowing if that's the right mistake that i'm making or if i'm it's just projecting really like i'm making a mistake in this category it's really interesting so how again, you approach it it with this like again it it, it shows where you you come from but you approach mm. it in such a strategic way uh i play it i play it on the normal difficulty i'm not you know uh, uh crazy in that sense but i just <laughs> i just play it and and shoot as much as i can of course switching weapons and using the different tools uh that are available to me to to overcome the challenge but i i'm not right. that cerebral about it and uh mm -hmm. i'm having a good time i'm i'm really enjoying it i'm not as far along as you are but i've played i don't know maybe seven hours something like that and it's just it's such but it's such an intense game which i think for you is not a problem because you approach it seems all of your fps's in that intense manner but for me i mm. i can't do more than one mission at a time because you're you have so many tools to uh think about yeah. and so many elements and it's such a, a, a yeah intense i think it's just experience. a cerebral game like there's so yeah. many things you've got to maintain in your head that yeah ultimately when i approach a fight i'm like okay these are the three guns i really want to use because i just got one you know what i mean <laughs> at least in the initial stages of the game i just i want to use the new crossbow or i want to use the new laser pew pew gun you know whatever it is and um at the same time you're like but i also don't want to die and this is safe so <laughs> <laughs> um you're like do i want to do the new thing or do i want to do the old thing um i love the the other part of the game that i think was brilliant is the weapon upgrades like being able to choose like a path of what kind of shotgun you want, what kind of uh, assault rifle do you want? And also giving you the ability to use the default version of that weapon and then giving you a feature on your alternate fire or your right click and your left click was super crazy for me. I love that. And then being able to just hot swap them and even speed up your hot swaps with like talent trees in the end. Um, if you played MMOs or league of legends, or like uh, MOBAs or stuff like that, like, you're going to be very in tune with that sort of decision making. And it really does, even though each demon has like their own crit spots and like their super unique ways, you got to remember how to kill them. It's pretty forgiving. I think when you get down to the lower difficulties, but I'm not sure because I've only played at this one and I've only watched people play at the super high levels. So, um, cause like, I don't know how many viewers you're going to get playing on like easy, you know what I mean? <laughs> on, on Twitch, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to watch people playing super hardcore or something nightmare or whatever it's called but i don't know i like that decision making patrick what did you think about this sort of thing like going from like sniper versus like wildfire railgun yeah. version on your assault rifle and stuff like that i i think it's all really cool and some of it is ported from um 
uh, uh, the original Doom 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very, it, it, you know, all of the mods and choosing between the weapons and between the mods. It's it's everything has been turned like Doom 2016 was everything is turned to 11. In this one, everything is turned to like 20, including the complexity of the different options right. you have to manage and the upgrades and um, mm. all of that. And I really like it. I really like it. It's it's Doom 2016, but more. And I don't think they've yeah. they've like it's so complexified that i don't think they have anywhere left to go like if they do another doom in 2024 yeah if they do more you're just gonna get lost yeah i I don't think like if anything they would dial it back down a little bit probably no um but (laughs) but yeah no i i I really like it uh i think i get the sense that i'm liking it more than you um but it's it's it could just not, because i'm playing something else right now i don't know possible, but i really like it i think it's fun um if i played it at an easier difficulty then maybe i would enjoy it more but i like <laughs> the frustration so if a game makes me mad and i haven't finished it then i'm a completionist i'm like all right it's time to just sit down and finish this and i go and fight a boss like 30 times i'm like no <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well, um, so I think it's f- safe to say we both like it and we like the complexity and the visceral feelings of it. But um, yeah. you're currently occupied by another game, which is essentially the polar opposite. And I've never gotten into Animal Crossing. I think Pokemon and this are the two series that are like mm. a complete mystery to me. Like I don't get the... Now I, I, I think I've heard people describe the the point of it or the draw of it many times. So I kind of understand it's just a chill game. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So you're, you're enjoying it. You're liking it. How would you describe? So I will say initially when I was looking at the game and seeing how freaked out people are getting on the game and how hype and like, even from international standpoint, right. Cause I have lots of friends in Australia and I have a few friends in New Zealand. I've got all the, assistant language teachers in my prefecture in japan that are from different countries of course and then japanese kids that i've interacted with um that are some of my students and um even just friends from back home so initially i just didn't think this game was that you know you know interesting i was just like why why is this the game that people choose to just lose their mind over like what what is the fandom gotta be for something like this that you're gonna spend hours and hours and hours doing And so what I ended up noticing was that it's just like Facebook and Twitter is just completely filled timelines of people taking screenshots. Oh my God, I caught the super rare fish or I got the random (laughs) bug. Um, Look at my outfit. I made it myself or I'm a big fan of Halo and I made the, the, the Halo guy suit and the helm and you can wear it with this QR code. It's like, it's a social game. It's what it really is. And like, if you're not, if you're playing Animal Crossing by yourself, I think you're going to be disappointed. Like, honestly, mm. um, it's got a really fun collective um, mentality or collector's mentality, I should say. So, like, if you play the game, you want to collect all the things. If that's your type of game, then this is potentially a game you might find a lot of fun playing by yourself. And I like playing it by myself for a long time, but the goal of playing by myself is to complete the things that I want to do that need to be done for the next time I go hang out with my friends. If that makes sense. How do you, and the other big draw is the mobile market. I think that's a big one because you can play this anywhere and then you can have community streams where this is a very streamable game like Pokemon, where you can sit down, do whatever it is you want to do 
and there is zero stress with doing what you're focusing on and looking at chat and interacting with them and answering their questions. That's a very social game. Mm. How, how's the, I've heard conflicting things about the multiplayer aspect and you're saying it's super important. How well and how does it work, I guess? Okay, so I think the easiest way to break it down is with some of the availabilities. So if you're, if you're not really in, if you've never played Animal Crossing before, I'm here for you because this is my first one. So um, when I played this, it's called New Horizons, if you're curious. The other one was New Leaf, I believe, for the DS was the previous title. And that came out in 2015, I believe, 2016. I can't remember with all the dates mixed up with yeah, International, like if they did a worldwide or something like that. But um, in the game, you have to choose your country if you want. You can choose your language separate to that. And you can also choose your um, hemisphere so that you get something of an exclusive pass to what's available and when. There are specific time slots in your local time that will restrict availability in the day-night cycle of what you can get in relationship to the critters, Critterpedia, and um, in the um, fish uh, Pedia. You basically unlock in early stages of the first two or three days you get access to building a museum on your island. And that's your completionist thing. You can catch all the things and record the data in your Wikipedia app on your phone in the game or you can do that and then donate what you catch to the museum and then you can go into this extra like extraordinarily cool museum and go in and they've got fossils, fish, and critters which are basically just bugs. Um, and when you go into these exhibits, they're just completely empty things of water or just empty things of like trees and like lakes, um, or just little like glass boxes that have nothing in them until you start filling them up. And something that I noticed in the fish exhibit in particular, in the freshwater one, they've got stuff where it's like rivers, mouth, pond, um, only fish. And then they also have like river fish only. And they have like a tiered exhibit of like three different waterfalls and there's more fauna and flora that get added to it the more fish you catch in addition to just adding the fish to the museum. So they have all these really cool aspects of the thing. There's a fish that unlocks like a scuba diving set and like a submarine exhibit, but you don't get either of those things until you catch a very specific rare fish. Um, and that just gives you, again, this is all aesthetic, but the availability of them comes down to specific months out of the year in your region and specific times of the day in some of them. And then some of them are just always available no matter what time of day or what hemisphere you're in. Furthering that, you've got the whole Minecraft appeal of making your home, unlocking items, going in every day and getting unique things that rotate every day on a random number generator type of a deal. You go into the shops, you build more things, you get more chances on the random rolls, if you will. You've got There's a big grind in earning different currency. You've got bells, which is your money. You've got miles which is kind of like a air miles program and you can visit these random islands and some of the random islands can help you make a bunch of money and increase the size of your house you can basically the whole island island is your starting point and then after that you can you can invite more residents there's there's a whole social thing within the social game right you've you got like the npcs it's like very layered if that makes sense no it it all of this is both incomprehensible to me. <laughs> like, I don't quite get it. Like, what's the appeal of mm. all of this? 
And I understand what you're saying, but it's just, I think, I, I wonder if um, I shouldn't, I wouldn't need to go and try it myself to see if it's for me or not. Because as you were saying, you were saying as well, you didn't think this was going to be for you, but in the end, you ended up, you know, losing sleep for a week, uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, playing it. So, yeah. So it's just One the, the completionist the thing, thing that, that, that I just love the completionist thing, man. Mm. The lighting in the game also is just for something so cartoony to me is like just amazing. They mm. do some really interesting things in the game that make it incredible. They have really weird, funny, interactable things that you can do. Um, like with my house, I have a, I caught a relatively medium rare fish, which is a snapping turtle, but it wasn't available in my region. And I've got friends in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere, so I caught a couple with him. So if you put one in the museum and you don't sell it, you can also put it in your house or put it outside of the house in like a tank. And the snapping turtle apparently is the only thing that doesn't have a tank. It just sits there alive in your house, wherever you put it down. And you can like, you use the interact button and uh, the thing just goes like, and like screams at you and tries to bite at your hand when you interact with it. And so, and then there's other things where that, you can like turn a washing machine on, or I don't know, there's just ridiculous customization in the game. And it's, it's got so much customization and random objects and the social trading and giving your friends things and sending stuff to your friends in the mail, or even just the residents on your Island that are NPCs is really enjoyable. And I didn't think it would be, mm. but I don't know if that's just the Japanese culture in me. Cause I loved watching, like going in the museum and being like, Oh, that's the, exact same thing that they have for the fire drills in japan and that's right there right and i'm like oh so, well that's a japanese cook rice cooker <laughs> what about um play you you mentioned you played with someone with one of your friends uh is it the case yeah. that you have to be online at the same time as they are to visit their uh island and and stuff like that is there asynchronous multiplayer or is it always you you have yes. to be online together Yes, I'm not really aware of the restrictions of how many people are allowed on uh, space yet because I only have two friends that play that I know of and hang out with on the regular. Um, but how we set it up is we hop in a Discord channel and we just hang out and right. we'll play on our separate islands and say, okay, I need to get these things today or this month. And these things are going to go away at 7 p.m. my time, but you're an hour before me and they won't rotate until it rotates in your time. So I have an extra <laughs> hour that I can go mess with. Okay. All right. But um, anyways, that, that, that's one of the main things is you can go to their island, you can troll them, you can do funny things with them. There's certain limitations with what, how many things you can do with somebody's island. So like if you chop down somebody's tree, they can't really do anything about that sort of griefing besides kick you out of the island. Um, if you uh, want to give them certain things, there's only certain things you can give them. Uh, so like bugs and fish and stuff like that, you have to catch on your own. And uh, you control them by like scaring the fish by running away um, or running through them so they can't catch them and stuff. So there's there's some fun ways that you can do some simple like griefing in Minecraft where you like blow up everyone's fort with like TNT stuff like that you could do. Um, okay. But it's less destructive, I think, in this game. Um, and again, right. if somebody's doing something that's griefing, you, you just kick them out. So um, you can restrict who who comes in and who who goes away. You can you can do individuals, best friends, people who are on your friends list or just to anyone that wants to search for somebody online well i still don't know if i would like this game i'm still on no but i wonder if my mm -hmm. uh, journalistic duty wouldn't be to to give it a try and see what happens but we'll see
Um, sure. All right. I, I do. Thank you very much for uh, that uh, lively tale. I do want to mention Bleeding <laughs> Edge. As I uh, said in the beginning of the show, I tried it out. And for those who don't remember, Bleeding Edge is essentially uh, what if Hot Topic and emo culture was a MOBA and Overwatch hybrid. And uh, it is, it, I also didn't think it was going to be for me. Um, it's essentially all like super edgy uh, skulls everywhere, like, uh, like completely emo cyberpunk, but in a cartoony way, uh, kind of four on four brawl shooter slash MOBA objective based 3D third person game. Uh, that's a lot of this looks like Junkertown got together with Borderlands and made a MOBA exactly exactly it's very Borderlands in the uh, art style without the cell mm. shading but uh, yeah it's it's exactly that and uh, so I, I am 1000% not into that aesthetic but um, <laughs> it turns out at the least game, you're honest it, it, it turns out the game is actually pretty fun. And the aesthetics aren't as annoying as I thought they would be. It even made me smile okay. a couple of times. I think it gets tiresome after a while, but it, it was fine. And the gameplay is, is pretty fun. Um, the reason I'm not going to play it more is because I already have many things I'm playing and I don't need another like right. competitive shooter-y type thing in my life to be destroyed by people who play more than I do um, in. But it's surprisingly fun. And it is on Game Pass. So it's available to people who have Game Pass on PC and Xbox. And so you always have people to play with because there's, there's a lot of people who, who play it. Um, right. Yep. Surprisingly fun. Surprisingly cool. A little bit complex, I would say, for, for people like me who enjoy the Overwatch arcadiness of the, you know... The, the, the initial um, learning of the game, there's more things to to remember, but it's it really works, and I was very surprised. So, so is this cool. over the shoulder? Is this uh, yeah. first person, third person? Um, okay, it says it's a four v four fighter game. Is that yeah? It, you do have accurate? some yeah yeah you you do have uh, some. Um, uh, uh, you know, shooter aspects. There's a lot of melee, okay. but even the shooters, you can target, set a target. So you don't have to aim a lot. Um, so it is really more about the strategy of what you do when and how you execute under pressure in a slightly more um, MOBA way than a, a, a shooter like aiming FPS Is it a bit way. like Smite in that respect? Uh, I didn't play so Smite almost enough. All skill shots, though. Yeah, I didn't play Smite enough to to uh to to remember exactly what it was about. But you don't have a lot of skill shots, I don't think. Uh, but again, okay. you know, I I played maybe an hour, so I'm not an expert. It, oh, it, there's definitely yeah, okay. skill, definitely skill, but not aiming skill as much. Like, I mean, in a MOBA, obviously you have to aim for your abilities and you have to do the right skill mm -hmm. shots and stuff like that. So right. in that sense, yes, but not in the sense of Overwatch where you have to, everything about the gameplay is like aiming and shooting. point. Right. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah. maybe maybe not everyone's type of game, but certainly 
if it's free, then you should definitely give it a shot. Yeah, kind of a if, if you have access to it via Game Pass, absolutely, mm -hmm. it might be something you enjoy. Um, and if you're okay. looking for something in that category, you might. Uh, the, the there's one also a guitar solo character it. in here. A what? Sorry. There's a, there's a guitar solo character in here. If you like, yes, if you like that sort of. Thing. <laughs> yes, extremely. As I said, like he's an undead, extremely Super edgy. edgy, hot topic. Uh, the one thing is you only have 10 different characters, so that's a little bit light, um, but, you know, it's not a, a, a deal breaker, but it's a little bit light. Right. Um, Looks like and, four in most in most of the categories that you can play, so four tanks, yeah, I think it's three four, uh, supports. Yeah, exactly. Four tanks, three su supports. No, I think it's three tanks, three supports, and, and, uh, and four DPS, but... Maybe I'm wrong, but it is for a tank DPS uh, healer, heal tank DPS yeah. uh, uh, mm -hmm. type game. Um, and then uh, Resident Evil 3 came out. I didn't play it, but just to quickly mention it, um, it seems everyone agrees it's good, but it's very common. Uh, it's It has a lot in common with Resident Evil 2, the remake, of course, uh, and it's relatively short. It's about five hours and it's a full-priced game. Uh, the multiplayer is in there in case, you know, it's an added value item, but uh, we didn't get a lot of reviews on that. Most people are talking about the single-player aspect and it. everyone agrees novelty has worn off a little bit and it's much shorter mm. as the original resident evil 3 was it was supposed to be like an a, a, a spin-off or yeah, even an add-on to to the second one but um yeah yeah and uh yeah so that's the games we've been playing and resident evil 3 and uh now let's move on to the news shall we let's do um, it Nintendo is apparently remaking most 3D Mario games for the Switch, and I cannot wait. So this is rumors. I'm excited. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, rumors, so but excited. it's been rumored by several different, different sources that are quite reliable. So I'm putting stock into it. <clears throat> Sorry. Waking up when you have a kid is hard. Um, so apparently what's going to happen, uh, it's the 35th anniversary of the Super Mario Brothers series. And uh, for that, Nintendo was planning to announce at E3 uh, a number of remakes and um, ports on the Switch. They would include most of the 3D Mario games and a couple of other bonuses. But um, I was fully expecting uh, Super Mario 3D World to show up at some point it was an awesome mario game that yeah. sadly nobody played because it was on the wii u and nobody had the wii u yeah. um but <laughs> that's going to be a deluxe version with added levels and and nice. stuff so that's pretty cool um and you're gonna get you're also gonna get um a number of iconic mario games my understanding is that includes super mario uh well world is already in there because it's on the um yeah the the like mario maker yeah no, no, I mean through the or, Super um, Nintendo, you know, online. The retro pass thing. Exactly. With the yeah. online eShop yeah. pass thing, yeah. But then we're going to get uh, 64, Sunshine, Galaxy 1, Galaxy 2, and this might be a full pack that you can buy, uh, probably full price. And then um, 3D World Deluxe will also be a full price game, I imagine, and I will buy it again because I'm a sucker. But uh, I, no. I would buy all Listen. of this. This is really cool. Now, listen, 
there there's one thing that nintendo needs to understand is that if they remake mario sunshine i will buy it for 60 dollars because i have been wanting <laughs> to play mario sunshine on a good console for so long <laughs> I have not played this game in any context outside of its original release outside of emulators, because this game has been so buggy with even the emulators that you can play it on. It's infuriating. And all I've wanted to do is replay Mario sunshine for like the last 10 years. I just cannot wait to play Mario sunshine again. I have no you know, idea. <laughs> I, I didn't have a GameCube, and I never played sunshine. This is, you will not regret it when it re-releases through these rumors because I want to <laughs> play it so bad. I want to play, I want to play, actually, I didn't play, play Galaxy either so much. I bought it on Wii U. Oh, Galaxy was spectacular. I, I, I want to play all of this. And uh, I haven't played the second Galaxy, to be fair, but I did play the, the newest Switch one. Um, what was that? Odyssey. Played that one. That was pretty good. Uh, There's a lot of extra stuff that I missed playing it, but I don't know. I'm all for the Nintendo 64 remake. I mean, that's that's that was great on DS when the remake first first hit, and it was great on the 64 in the initial thing. And it still gets speed run on uh, games done quick. So mm. why not add another one to the pool? I am very excited about all of this, and uh, still rumors, but yeah, it's uh, it seems like it's coming. And of course, they they why would they do they not like money? Does Nintendo not want? Do you money? not want money? <laughs> So yeah, that's that's to me a huge piece of news. I'm very excited. Um, yes. And then there's a number of Wii U, uh, <clears throat> Wii U of Switch releases, um, Bioshock, Borderlands, Outer Worlds, um, a number of games coming over the next couple of months. Um, there's a new rhythm game mode uh, coming to that's already there actually in Ring Fit Adventure. That's pretty cool um, with Nintendo games music. So essentially the Switch is still Great. going strong just as we're fighting over which of the next gen consoles has more teraflops. But um, yeah. I, I don't know about cool. you, Patrick, but Bioshock when I'm on a bus sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds so awesome. The fact that I can play Bioshock or Borderlands while going somewhere else is something that you should never like just check off the list. It's like, yeah, okay, it's coming to Switch. It's like, anytime something <laughs> hits the Switch, that means that's in your back pocket in the back seat of a car, in the back of a bus, on a plane. This is commute versions for these games if you get my drift. But I love Bioshock. It's one of my favorite all-time games. Of, um, and I think this is not just the original Bioshock, right? This is the series, correct? Yes, absolutely. And Borderlands is also uh, uh, multiple games. So mm. it's it's kind of crazy that every you know the the universal library the switch is becoming universal library just as much as the pc um yeah so that's but i don't think i want to replay bioshock though um do like it i mean seems like you it's got replay. enough replayability that i wouldn't yeah. mind um and i think that they've got those dlcs that some and if not a lot of players haven't actually gotten unless they're super super hardcore and so for me i would probably end up buying whichever one has the um infinite if you don't have to buy it in a package i'd like to get infinite and the dlcs for infinite because i haven't played those dlcs yet and just played on the mm. switch i think that would be a lot of fun yeah and the one thing that i always have in in you know in the back of my head when these things happen is you will play them uh it while commuting and stuff but they're designed for longer play sessions like you can't stop every five minutes some of them yeah um 
So that's one thing to keep in mind. But uh, it's definitely cool that they're coming. It's like it's a, a rite of passage mm. now. Everyone has to bring their games on Switch. And I have to say, even though the ga those games are really old, I am still impressed by the things that the Switch is able to achieve graphically. I never would have thought it could yeah. do as much as it can with that uh, CPU. Absolutely. I mean, if Breath of the Wild wasn't an indicator when it came out, then I don't know what is yeah. <laughs> that it can run those type of things. But even, you know, Breath of the Wild, I think graphically is not like you can see far, but the graphics are relatively simple. Like you have very simple textures, simple colors. And it, yeah, I think they're reducing like loading times more than anything to yeah. me is they're yeah. trying to make it run as smoothly as possible between That's zones. True. That's true. Um, there's a bunch of near news, uh, near the original one getting like remade new versions of iOS and Android. Uh, it's near automata is coming on the, on the Xbox game pass. Um, my only experience like near gestalt is getting remade. My only experience with near is automata from a couple of years ago. And I hated that game so much. Again, I'm, I'm like, uh, the opposite of everyone else on earth. And I understand that most people love it, but oh my God, it wasn't my thing. So if you like Nier, there's more Nier coming and lots of it. So there you go. <coughs> Another... If it's any, if it's any um, uh, addendum to help you out, Patrick, I've literally never heard of this game. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. that's, that is interesting. It's like, it made a lot of noise. It's kind of a, a niche thing, but being from Japan, it's a, it's a very auteur, auteur type of thing which is pretty well known um mm. with automata but i mean I, I from what i know about you i don't think you would like it so maybe you can be my brother <laughs> in disliking me here all right all right well then um, i'll just continue not knowing anything about it just, <laughs> just stay on my little island over here <laughs> um epic is becoming a publisher and they're doing things the way Tim Sweeney likes to do them, which is essentially a middle finger to the rest of the industry by uh, making it as different from what the, the you know, bean pushers and money counters like to do. Um, basically, they're going to publish games from developers with uh, re letting them retain 100% of the IP rights Usually, when you have a publisher that gives a developer money to make a game, they want some uh, rights on what the IP is, you know, what people are going to do with the IP down the line. Um, Valve mm -hmm. is saying, nope, none of that. Uh, once the costs are recouped, the um, developer is going to be able to keep 50% or more of the money that comes in, usually it's a lot less because obviously the publisher in those deals is putting in almost all of the money to begin with. Um, and, and that, you know, means they demand more. And it's not even necessarily a play to get games on the Epic Game Store because the games aren't necessarily going to be exclusive to the Epic Game Store. Um, now, that being said, I'm sure that Valve... Uh, Valve. <laughs> Valve will have stuff to say about that with Steam. But um, <laughs> Epic yeah. is going to be like, hey, if you're on the, um, on the Epic Game Store, the, the uh -huh. share is different like you get more money for the game than for the store which is a separate entity from epic games i'm sure so you recoup the costs faster and the your split is going to be bigger etc etc but it's not necessarily going to be epic game store exclusives and the uh, companies that are 
involved in this are really exciting. Um, it's uh, Play Dead, Remedy, and which one is the last one? Um, oh, I can't remember. Control? Uh, well, I mean, uh, Remedy, Remedy is the one that made Control. Play Dead is the one that made uh, Inside, Inside and, Limbo. and Limbo. And then ja, um, Mark, let's see. Gen Design made Gen The Last Guardian. Gen Design, Guardian. oh, that's The Last Guardian remake. Um, but the main okay. one is is Remedy, of course, because Remedy has been a studio that's always been in a little... It's a big... It, they do AAA games, but they've always been in mm -hmm. a little bit of a, a, of a weird place because their games aren't all... You know, it's kind of hit and miss. And But they're usually sure. uh, uh, really interesting and, and often critically acclaimed. And Control was a big success, of course. So this is exciting for them. And it's, it's interesting for Epic to be doing this. Um, and for the industry. So. You know, the fully funded projects thing that they're doing with their publishing that gives, it says 100% of development costs for developer salaries to go to market expenses, such as quality assurance, localization, marketing, and other publishing and all publishing costs is a big, big bonus for these kind of development companies. Like QA and localization alone are just these massive categories that could extend to other cultures, other languages. Like, if I if I'm looking at this as kind of a uh, carrot on the stick for my development company, I think that that is going to be one big thing I'm looking to do to kind of internationalize my game a bit. If that yeah, makes sense. Definitely, it means. I mean, this kind. Of course, Epic is not going to give that kind of opportunity to any uh, studio. Sure. But if you can sure. get access to it, um, it seems like a no brainer. Like, why would you not? do this of course you have to present a game i'm sure that they can get on board with etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's no reason like there's no it doesn't seem like there's any trick you don't even absolutely have to go with a, a, an epic game store exclusive so it is the best yeah. it seems I, my knowledge of these kinds of deals um is a little bit limited so i i can't say with a thousand percent certainty that this is way you know the best version of the the uh, publishing deal you can get but i'm pretty confident with the little knowledge that i have and i have some um this is not how things work usually so yeah this well, is what, really what more can they give you if you yeah. wanted an exclusive deal when you look at this right like, yeah, what's exactly. going to be the extra little um, cherry on top to kind of push you over? Because at this point, it's like, well, I could do this and list it on Valve's product. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and you um, can, apparently. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I wonder if it will. It's, it's interesting to see how um, uh, uh, militant Tim Sweeney is about these kinds of things. And, uh, of course, he, it's good for him, but it's also good for developers. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, other tidbits of news, uh, Modern Warfare 2 has a remaster out only for the campaign, but it's available. Um, there's a Burning Crusade classic that is getting uh, questions in surveys from, um, from Blizzard. So it might happen, like the questions were about how would you like your character to, to be created, because that brings a whole lot of questions. Uh, Valve is uh, remaking Artifact, essentially. There's a new beta coming, and that game fell flat Ooh. on its face when it came out. Just as a reminder, you had to buy the game and then buy packs 
um, to build your, it's a card game. And to build your decks, you mm -hmm. had to buy the game and card packs. So now they're getting rid of mm -hmm. that. The, the double whammy was not very popular. Um, and there were still some, smell some disappointment in their midst. So yeah. we'll see how that pans out. Um, Cloud Empyrean Games is, that's the, um, oh my God, what's the name of their game? Ah, oh, I'm, I'm freezing. The, the space thing, Star Citizen, there you go. Uh, they rose, they, they got more money, 17 million, uh, dollars from investors. That never stops. Whoa. Tencent is developing a cloud, cloud streaming service in partnership with Huawei. So cloud streaming is definitely the flavor of the day. And um, Valorant, the Riot game, is coming out in beta on April 7 in just a few days. You've been following this one, obviously, I think, for since you like yeah. these kinds of uh, these types of games. It's your so, jam. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you guys are looking for something interesting, this is definitely something you're going to want to try to get your hands on a beta key. But if there's any indication with how difficult beta keys can be to get a hold of. I think that Riot is making it even harder um, so far because it sounds like unless the NDAs are extremely strict with the people that they've invited out, then I don't know what to tell you because it doesn't sound like the people are very confident and even like well-known streamers are going to be getting access to these beta keys. Mm. So I don't know how that's going to pan out. I know there's a lot of um, top Apex players that are ready to jump ship. I know that there's listed um, a just a big chunk of Overwatch. People are like, I'm sick with Overwatch. I'm going to go play this game. Um, people are literally like, I think there was there was news that they were signing the first ever Valorant Pro to a team before Valorant even came out, uh, which I thought was really, really cringy in the, in the least sense. Um, but well, it seems the most, to be like, so close to CSGO that it feels like it, it, yeah. we almost know what crowd it's going to attract. It's the, what you know what to expect of who you want to sign for an esports team. Sure, yeah. This game does seem to be really interesting, but for me, it's it's more interesting how many Overwatch people that are going from Overwatch to this rather than like CS people or other adjacent games to Counter-Strike because uh, or even uh, like Rainbow Six Siege people would make more sense and in Call of Duty, like online players would make more sense than Overwatch. Overwatch is so unique compared to Valorant that Valorant was very, very particular with their Riot messaging that it's not got like an ultimate ability and everything has to be bought like a weapon. So I feel like everyone would be totally fine with buying abilities in your buy screens between games than anything. Yeah, just to and be clear, it, this is yeah. within the context of the game, just like CSGO. It's not that you have to buy right. them with real money. It's the game economy. As uh, rounds right. progress, you can get better and better right. weapons within the game. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good distinction to make. Um, I'm I'm actually more interested with this game with their longevity with it how Riot plans to integrate um their money making scheme with this and I don't know if, uh, unless you know Patrick about if this is a free to play game like League of Legends or is this a um buy and then also enhance with like cosmetics because I knew I knew that they said stuff about cosmetics and that's something that Riot Games and CS:GO do really really well. To the point of having scandals in case of CS like <laughs> websites popping up. But um, I don't think they're going to be hurting for money if this is similar enough to CSGO and the abilities make it like distinguishing enough that it's different. So I'm more curious as what the other companies are going to be doing and how they're going to be making money with Valorant and what they're offering besides like hero skins, mm. you know, yeah. and if they're going to do gun skins as well or 
how many heroes are going to end up being able to create long term with the game economy. It seems like that would be really difficult for them to make. But, you know, Overwatch know. and Nova's I mean, are any indicator. I don't think it's going to be that hard. It's and they have experience with League of Legends as well. Right. I think I think they're yeah. they're they're fine in that sense. And the the crowd is the no. CS. I think there are a number of people uh, who enjoy, like the people who enjoyed these kinds of FPSs before Overwatch came out. I think they're gonna find joy in this one. I suspect right. many people who got into FPSs with Overwatch and the ease of use of Overwatch. Uh, might give it a try and might be disappointed but they might also you mm. know discover something they like but i, I think most people sure. the 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 attraction of uh like the strong suit of overwatch is a little bit to a certain extent a little bit more the fun of it and the fantasy of it than the strategic uh uh aspects of it it's there too of course but i think for a lot of people the general public it's a lot of um, fun and and accessibility to the game, and it doesn't oh, seem to me like Valorant is going that route. But uh, no, they're we'll definitely see. hitting the hardcore crowd with the Counter Strike yeah. crew, if if you will. But yeah, yeah, I don't know very many people that that play Counter Strike for a long period of time, and mm. I think that it's also really fun if you can go to like a LAN center with some friends and just mess around and this sort of thing. You can you can play a competitive game casually with with friends. It just kind of depends on your sure. social group and what people are willing to play. That's true. But and and uh, the if, art style is spectacular for this game, by the way. Yeah. Like very cool. I'll definitely give it a try if I can. Um, and I mean, just to be clear, Riot has proven that catering to the hardcore crowd can be very very successful with League of Legends. That's mm -hmm. all they do. So I'm sure right. they'll 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 they have a huge opportunity with Valorant as well. So we'll see. Absolutely. Um, last uh, tidbits, uh, Bethesda is not going to be uh, doing anything from for June. They had an, an E3 showcase planned, but they're, they've canceled everything, including um, anything streaming, which leads me to believe what were they going to do during the showcase that they don't need to do now? Like maybe they're going to show stuff on other people's uh, streams like maybe they're doing something with Microsoft um, but I, I suspect because they have to be showing games they I don't think we have anything planned um, for this year or next from Bethesda anything mm. big and new so maybe they're going to be hopping on uh, Microsoft's uh, stream it's possible um, yeah, GameStop the the CEO of GameStop has told investors that he doesn't expect uh, production of the next gen consoles to be delayed and uh, actually Phil Spencer from Xbox also said that in a podcast in Podcast Unlocked um, he did a, a he had an hour long conversation with the folks at IGN and that's one of the many things he said um, so that's I mean obviously it's not the most important Very thing in interesting. the world but uh, but I'm happy that the, the next-gen consoles hopefully will be there on time and uh, hopefully the games will be there too. Um, yeah, we'll see. And uh, if you're looking for games, PlayStation Plus has Uncharted 4 uh, this April, something to, to travel a little bit in your living room. And Humble Bundle has the Humble con con uh, Conquer, con Conquer? Conquer COVID-19 Bundle, which is full of like so many games huge great value so uh check that out if you're if you're interested it's um it's like 30 bucks and you get like a thousand dollars worth no i'm kidding but it's a ton of Undertale's games in there that's all you need 
Yeah. Well, I, I already <laughs> own like so many of those games, but also it's for charity and you, you contribute to oh, yeah. uh, effort. So I might get it, but it's like literally as Bundle often does it. You get games and you also uh, help developers or some charity or something. And it's it's uh, it's just very cool. Right. So there... Yeah, Bundle's also got go. some other stuff going for like tabletop games right now, if you guys are curious in that sort of... Oh, I don't. Got I don't really play on. tabletop games, but if you are, if you do, just check it out. Yeah, and that's it. Thank you so much, Rob, for being on the show with me. Um, that was a blast. <laughs> would you tell people where they can get more of you uh, online, not in real life? Sure. Um, if you want to contact me anywhere, it's similar to Patrick. I actually end up ripping off his <laughs> name when I was back <laughs> in 2009 listening to the instance. So, if you want to find me, I'm at not Rob on Twitter. Um, and, uh, my Twitch is not Rob May. I don't really stream very much, so I don't know how that's going to really help you, but you can find pretty much <laughs> anything there. If you like Overwatch, uh, I, I'd recommend a podcast to you called Omnic Lab. It's, it's kind of a good show. I, I'd say I work pretty hard on it, so it might be up your, up your alley. If you're interested in getting better in the game or learning a little bit more of the ins and outs of specific heroes or maps, that's uh, kind of your one-stop shop. If you're on the, on the go, you listen to podcasts at home during this time. I know that a lot of people are switching over to video formats watching streams um, in particular rather than podcasting. But um, that's just how I know I consume podcasts. Uh, I listened a little bit less during this, this sort of thing, unless mm, I'm commuting. You're not alone, but, I think, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Patrick, for kind of inviting me uh, to Pixels this week. It was actually a lot of fun. I've not done this in a long time since we were at BlizzCon just talking only Blizzard stuff. So this yeah. is a lot of fun to kind of shotgun approach the whole <laughs> gaming industry for a little bit with you. Thanks for Thank thanks you. again. Thank you for being on. It was it was a blast. And your uh, Twitter account will be linked in the show notes, of course, as always. Mine will be in there as well. It's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can check out my uh, corner of the forest in Finland um, if you follow me <laughs> on Instagram. And uh, yeah, not Patrick over there. And uh, that's it. We'll be back in about a couple of weeks with another show. Until then, stay home if you can. Wash your hands. Don't cough on people and uh be good talk to them Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.